Hello, friends. Today's guest on the podcast is Will Stanhope. Will is a professional rock climber with many notable ascents under his belt. Will was the first person to free solo Zap Crack and Zombie Roof, both 512 plus routes in Squamish, British Columbia. He also climbed the Cobra Crack more than 10 years ago, which at 514B is still considered by many to be the hardest crack climb in Canada and is still one of the hardest cracks in the world. And in 2015, Will completed the first free ascent of the Tom Egan Memorial Route on the Snowpatch Spire in the Bugaboos, which at 514 makes it a contender for the most difficult alpine route in the world. We talked about a freak accident that Will had this past summer, which resulted in a broken finger and surgery, about his injury and rehab process, and about how difficult it can be to fill the void when climbing is your life and you are unable to do the thing that makes you feel like yourself. We talked about training and why Will generally recommends spending more time climbing and moving on rock. We talked about a recent link-up he did in the Bugaboos with Leo Holding and about the importance of honesty in a climbing partnership. Will also shared some trad climbing and racking tips, what he's been reading lately, and why he is so grateful to be alive. Everything we talked about is linked in the show notes, including the Anthony Bourdain quote that Will mentions near the end of the interview. If you're curious about anything or if you want to know more about Will, cruise over to thenuggetclimbing.com and you can find links to just about everything we mentioned in the conversation. I just want to say thank you again to Will for sitting down and sharing some stuff that isn't easy to talk about. And thank you, listeners, for showing up for another episode. I've been feeling a lot of love from you guys and I really appreciate you for listening. I hope you enjoy this honest and wide-ranging conversation with Will Stanhope. So you guys are moving tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. Relocating. <laughs> where are you at now where you're relocating to? Uh, I did just a different spot in Bishop. Okay. But uh, I'm Canadian and she's American, so it's cruxes. <laughs> can only stay in your great country for so long. Do you have to go back up to Canada periodically for a certain amount of time? Yeah, you've kind of got like six months within a year. Oh, damn. Mm-hmm. Does she go up there? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, her, her family's from like the, the Pacific Northwest, kind of a little south of Seattle, so. Okay, so she's there and she lives in Bishop, you said. Yeah, at the moment. So you guys yeah. can kind of like split winter, summer. Yeah, it's new, so we'll, we'll oh, okay. see. Yeah, yeah. Got you. All right. see, it's good. I mean, there, there's worse places to split your time. Yeah, <laughs> right on. Absolutely. So you're well known for your soloing and for the bold climbing that you do. But I think the most incredible and maybe bold and entertaining thing I've ever seen, there's a video that came out a few years ago. It's called Freedom of the Wheels. Yeah, I'm I'm actually slightly embarrassed about that whole endeavor, but uh, it was my buddy Matt's idea, and whenever he calls me up and he's hell-bent on something, yeah, I generally just say yes. It was fantastic. I'm glad you got a kick out I'm of it. I'm going to share it in the show notes. Why are you embarrassed about it? Uh, I just thought it was a little hokey. Okay, so for listeners, <laughs> Will and Matt, you guys rode from Boulder to Aspen on a 50cc scooter in winter kind of mimicking the the dumb and dumber yeah idea. it was kind of a, yeah it was a joke <laughs> yeah and you guys okay so you guys are trying to go ice climbing did you actually end up going ice climbing yeah we did a bit in okay i know it's fun it was a, 
It looked incredibly dangerous, like actually super sketchy. Yeah, I remember having like... Was it as gnarly as it was? Femi's like past us, honking at us, and just, yeah, it, it was a little spooky, but all's well that ends well, as they say. But yeah, I don't recommend it as a trip. Got you. Not a great bucket list trip. Are you screening Matt's calls at this point? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Depends no. what time of year, maybe. Yeah, I know. Have you guys been climbing together recently? Uh, not a hell of a lot. Yeah, yeah. I just snapped my finger about six months ago. So uh, we've got some trips on, on the docket. Hopefully okay. make happen. Cool. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what you guys do. Yeah. So I was hanging out in the, the Black Sheep coffee shop. We're in Bishop right now. And you walked in the other morning. I'm sitting there with Drew, and, and Drew's like staring at his fingers, like lamenting this flapper that he has, you know, like his life is over, like everything's terrible. <laughs> and you walk in, and you're kind of holding your finger, and I look over, and it's it's about twice the size of my thumb, and I can see the stitch marks in the side of it. What's going on with your uh, finger injury? Uh, I had a super weird accident in the summer. It was about six months ago. Yeah, and uh, I greased off a foothold and thought I was going to hit a tree, so I just lurched at the rope, and it obliterated my finger. And uh, thanks to modern medicine, <laughs> they pinned it back together. I just got the screws removed, and uh, yeah, feeling pretty good right now, actually. Nice. You said you went back up to Canada, and, and you had to kind of beg them to pull the screws out. Yeah, the healthcare system works a little different up there. You kind of gotta, you gotta cry a bit. Uh huh. Sometimes, <laughs> I definitely was. I was like, oh, this is my livelihood. You really need to take these things out. But, yeah. And they did, and and it, and I had a great surgeon, and looks like it's going good. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you were saying that you think the screws could probably stay in if you were just sport climbing or bouldering, but it was it's like the torquing and the crack climbing that was the issue. So what was I think so. That? I'm not. I'm not a surgeon. And I don't think the surgeons, they really deal with hardcore crack climbing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all my buddies are like, get all the hardware out if you can. And then a lot of the the doctors and the physios are like, well, it's a little bit more nuanced than that. So I was scratching my head for a few weeks, but Uh I just pulled the trigger and got him out. Okay. But that's not to say that's the best idea for everybody. (laughs) Uh Time will tell. Yeah. Do you have any idea and any expectations as far as how much longer you have before you're getting after it again? Quite promptly. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Already, it just feels better just not not to have hardware in your in your fingers. Nice. And generally speaking, your body, I find like I don't know, most of my friends are pretty psyched when they get the metal out. I imagine that you have a disproportionately large number of friends that have heinous injuries where they have to get hardware in their bodies. Yeah, most of them. <laughs> Is it more track climbing accidents or, oh, or falls or base solos or, or base? paragliding? Uh huh. You name it. Got you. Where did your accident happen? Were you up in Squamish? Yeah, I was up in Squamish. Okay. On, on a route I'd done dozens of times. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd even soloed the route. Uh huh. <laughs> and it was just, yeah, just one of these things, just absent mindedly. Uh huh. You know, it happens. It happens. It's, it's always the easy ground that gets you. Huh. Or oftentimes. Yeah. So now you said you've been running again a little bit? Yeah, running and just. Doing whatever you can to stay in shape. Yeah, stay in shape, and yeah, it's it's been good. And, and Bishop's such a stellar place for for rehab. It's not a bad place to hang out. No, even if you're not climbing. No, the running's great. The gorge is awesome. Mm. It's gentle. Mm-hmm. And it's just such an awesome spot, regardless. What does your rehab look like now? Are you just going out and doing lots of pitches, easy pitches? Yeah, I'm just gonna pull these stitches here in about three days, and yeah, I think I'll be back in the saddle here soon. Nice. Glad to hear it, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Is uh, 
Do you enjoy running? Is that something you've always done? Uh, I broke my foot about a decade ago. Right. And um, running was really hard on it. Yeah. Just the pounding. Were you running before that? A little bit, but okay. n- not a hell of a lot. But the I- I've done a lot of like fast uphill hiking uh-huh. for cardio. Uh-huh. But the, the running and just, especially the pavement, was always hard on, on the foot. But that was 2011, so I think finally I'm, it's time to embrace the that aspect of cardio. Okay. Do you think it helps your climbing? It helps my brain. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a lot like, especially when I can't climb, mm. it's a lot like soloing. Hmm. Or soloing was, a, for me, it was like a great way to just chill out and relax and when mm-hmm. when you can't do that with a broken hand running is i think the next best thing just kind of like a flow state thing just kind of get yeah 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 it. exactly a, f- a flow state thing yeah mm-hmm. cool okay you mentioned the other day that you've been you were going to go out to i think pine creek that day and just do some easy soloing mm-hmm. what does a day of easy soloing in pine creek look like for you i just climbed this route called mainline okay and um yeah, i just went up there and i had a rope to descend with and yeah, it was kind of like gentle, like five nine, ten minus. Okay. Yeah, beauty way to spend the day. Did you just go up there, climb it once, and come back down? Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, right on. Mm-hmm. Are you thinking about how you're going to be building back up to harder climbing? Are you? Do you have like a any sort of a plan? Or are you just the kind of guy that wants to just listen to your body and go with the flow more? Like, how do you think about that? Yeah, I think listening to the body's key, but then you also have to have goals as well. Okay. But adjust them. If uh, the body's not feeling up to it, mm. yeah, I've I've got some lofty goals, but um, try not to rush things. Okay. Do you have shorter term, intermediary goals for the finger in the meantime? Yeah, I, I would just like it to to feel better. I think <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> that's fair. I think it's kind of dangerous to climb with like numb scar tissue. Mm. I had a, kind of a freak accident in Yosemite in the autumn thinking that I could just wait a hand jam and basically the back of my hand was was super numb and I just popped out of it and hmm. luckily my girlfriend like body checked me off the belay so I didn't like shatter my hip or something worse so oh, it's like geez. yeah basically just trying to be cautious mm-hmm. so this is post-injury but while you still had the hardware in mm-hmm. do you think you're getting the sensation back yeah it's okay. coming back slowly nice cool yeah i'm psyched about that but it's it's a slow process yeah so you just posted on instagram i think it was like seven days ago that picture of the x-ray with all the hardware in your finger Mm -hmm. i'll be sure to uh, link to that in the show notes it's pretty interesting to see how many little screws there are holding your finger together thank god for modern medicine (laughs) wouldn't look like that in world war one yeah yeah it's it's an easy trap to complain but at the end of the day you got to be super I'm hyper fortunate to have these surgeons that that can do these kind of things. I imagine that's incredibly hard, though. I mean, climbing's got to, I imagine it's a significant part of your identity. Mm -hmm. Has anything else filled that space these last six months, or have you more or less just been waiting to have your climbing back again? Running. Okay. Yeah. Nice. It's just been uh, something I've neglected for years. Okay. it's, it's, It's very therapeutic. Has it gotten to a point where you have any goals with running? No, not necessarily, but I just, I think it's just good for cardio getting into the mountains and yeah. Yeah. And, and very gentle soloing. Okay. Very gentle. Like what kind of grade range are we talking uh, about? Just like up to 10 minus okay. on, on stuff that doesn't bug my hand. Hmm. Yeah. It's a hard one when climbing's your life. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard 
gap to fill when you can't do it. Uh-huh. I've been through it a couple times and it's it's never that much fun. I kind of imagined or I kind of thought of myself as a pretty well balanced person and I even anticipated I, I knew I would get injured someday, have a mm-hmm. finger injury or whatever. Two years ago I got my first real finger injury and I, I couldn't believe how hard it was. I like I, I don't know. I, I had all these things kind of on my back burner that I was excited to give time to if I got injured. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and then I just ended up kinda like twiddling my thumbs like waiting to climb again like none of those things sounded fun i just wanted to climb i was just bummed it's hard yeah you're like i'm gonna learn the guitar and yeah i'm gonna be fluent in spanish and then you're just like <laughs> i just really want to climb because that's what that's what i live for <laughs> yeah but uh you know a, a better man could potentially dedicate himself to something else and <laughs> be more enlightened yeah or, or yeah or just you know just there's more life than climbing is that, and I'm curious to dig into that a little bit, is that something that you've been more thoughtful about in recent years? Or cha- is that something you've changed your mind about in any way? It's been a bit of a tough few years with a lot of carnage in climbing, with a lot of uh, people getting killed. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a hard one to, climbing's a tough one to divorce yourself from when it's your life. Hmm. But uh, I've been ruminating on it. Okay. But I don't have any answers. <laughs> We'll check back in in a few years. Yeah. No, <laughs> See totally. if you have any wisdom. Yeah, no, my uh, my dad and I, we just got like five fishing rods. So we're gonna, okay. We're going to do a little trip down here in the spring. and Right on. He's kind of a big fisherman, but okay. I'm not. So we're just going to kind of... I know a few climbers that fly fish. They mm-hmm. seem to really like it. There's, yeah. there's a similar, I don't know, like poetry or grace to it or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I read A River Runs Through It many years ago yeah. and it kind of resonated with me yeah okay and um i'll link to that book in the show notes i've read that too it's great yeah yeah it's a magical book so i don't know yeah just something different I, i've done a bit of skydiving you know it's kind of dabbling and you know considering getting into the base world but i don't know climbing's still been the main thing hmm. well you'll be back to it soon yeah psyched so in prep for doing this i was listening to another podcast episode with you it was uh, on the I think triple black podcast. Mm-hmm. I'll link to that in the show notes, but um, that was shortly after you had done the first ascent of the Tom Egan route with Matt up in the bugs. Yeah. First free ascent. First free ascent, Tom Egan mm-hmm. Memorial, um, which you guys got the golden Piton award for. And uh, you guys, you said that I think it was 150 days over four seasons and a quote from you kind of longer than we thought it was going to be. <laughs> And then you were talking about all the terrible weather and a lot of tent time. So the first question that jumped into my mind is like, what did you do to keep yourself busy? What were the wet days in the tent? How did you keep yourself busy on those wet days? A lot of reading. Okay. But mostly just being so exhausted from those days. Huh. We would just like cook dinner, uh-huh. drink a cup of coconuts, uh-huh. <laughs> and just pass out. Right on. And just get ready for the next day. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of reading and... Yeah, it was, a, it was a long process. Yeah. You had mentioned in that interview that, that you guys kind of made slow and steady progress through that whole process, which kind of kept you psyched. What did that look like? Was there truly slow and steady progress through those four years? Were there points where you were like, what the hell are we doing up here? How close did you come to just pulling the plug and bagging that thing? It's funny. That's a good question because it never occurred to me to stop. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were just like, I think I'll never find a line as beautiful as that. Oh, wow. Cool. In my life. Did you ever think that, okay, we might spend even more time than we've spent and never do this thing? 
yeah, that occurred to me. But I just thought it was a worthy goal, whether we did it or didn't do it. Mm -hmm. Just lines like that, they don't come around every day. So tell me about the line. I know there's like a 514 kind of face pitch on crimps, and then you enter Mm -hmm. like a 514 splitter crack. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, break down the route. What's going on with that one? Uh, This guy, Daryl Hatton, and his partner, John Simpson, put it up, I believe, in the early 80s. Okay. And uh, it was named after their friend Tom Egan, who had died in a small plane crash. And, um, yeah, it's just, like, one of these, like, jam lines that, like, I walked in there for the first time with my friend Chris Brazo, I think in 2007 or 2008. And I was like, that is the prettiest thing I've ever seen. Hmm. So... Yeah, it was a long process, but um, I think the aesthetics kept me enthralled mm-hmm. throughout the seasons, and they don't come around every day. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Did you think you could do it the whole time? Uh, not necessarily. Okay. Yeah, but it was worth it to try. It was worth it to try. Yeah, and it, it was it's one of these routes that's kind of like it forced me to push myself a little bit harder. Hmm. You said um, in that interview, you mentioned that you did a lot of hangboarding before that route, and you said it was pretty effective. Yeah, it was super effective. What did that look like? Uh, I would just, I had, a, I had this job with this tree trimmer guy. Okay. Who was this, this crazed maniac named Stino, and uh, I would just be chopping down trees all day, and then I would go dangle with like weights uh-huh. at the local climbing gym that I started climbing at when I was a kid. And it duplicated hard big wall free climbing, I think, to a T. Huh. Because it was just like sheer hardcore manual labor interspersed <laughs> with just dangling from your fingers. Savage finger hangs. Yeah. And so I thought there was like, yeah, it was uh, the perfect training recipe. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Take notes, friends. <laughs> were, were you um, were you doing repeaters? Yeah, repeaters. That? That, 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 that was my go-to. Okay. And I'm curious about your grips because, of course, you had the 514 pitch that was really facey on small crimps. Yeah. But then you had like a 514 tips crack. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think about hangboarding to try really cutting edge, hard tips crack, crack climbing? Uh, I don't I don't think that's necessarily conducive. Okay. Yeah. You just need to do it a hell of a lot. Really? Okay. You can't like train on two feet. Yeah. And or um, something. I would also just exercise caution with the hardcore finger crack climbing. Okay. What makes you say that? I, I think I got away with it because I'd been doing it for for so long. Mm-hmm. But I think Joe Blow or whoever jumping into that kind of thing could, mm. c- could really hurt their fingers. Got you. Have you seen a lot of that? Have you seen people get gnarly injuries from heart crack? I, um, I haven't, but I don't think we've necessarily seen that. I think time will tell, basically. Okay. Let's look 20 years from now. Uh-huh. I just don't think it's very natural to like totally just hinge your fingers off of micro tips crack. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you're attuned to it, I think it could be fine. But so, what's the progression then? Just get stronger at climbing generally, but then just slowly do more and more harder and harder finger cracks. Perhaps, okay. and then I think a lot of it just comes down to just uh, genetics. Okay, you started climbing pretty early, yeah. Yeah, I was a kid. Okay, mm-hmm. and started doing that stuff really young. Uh huh. Is that just where you were, being in Squamish, or had yeah, you... Yeah, it was the thing to do. It was, it was just the thing like, to do. The place was just littered with, littered with finger cracks, and I climbed the Cobra Crack, like, when I was a little over 10 years ago. Yeah, I saw that. I, I had remembered that you did that, but I was amazed to see that it was, like, 10 or 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, time flies, I guess. Time flies, yeah. <laughs> How old like. are you now? 
Uh, 33. Okay. I think genetics is a huge part of it. Okay. You know, some people get arthritis, other people mm. don't. I feel like I'm pretty lucky. Gotcha. And then when I'm 50, we'll see how lucky I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the fingerboarding then, it sounds like that was primarily targeted towards that face mm-hmm. pitch. Exactly, yeah. Gotcha. And that was like, my friend Jonathan Seagreased, he was like... Initially, I was I was really wary of fingerboarding with like weights dangling yeah. off my because I just thought that was a recipe for wrecking your fingers. And uh-huh. he was like, he's like, you need to do that. Yeah. So I did it. Uh huh. After a long day of tree trimming, <laughs> and it, it was make or break. Like my fingers just felt instantly way stronger. Yeah. What did that look like with the seasons? So you guys tried it for four seasons. Mm-hmm. What, what's the season up there? Is it middle of summer? Yeah, dead of summer. Okay, so then you're tree trimming in the off shoulder seasons or over the winter? Or? Yeah, and doing a bunch of other climbing trips as well. But Okay. But yeah. Okay. But I think the tree trimming was the clincher. Yeah, was that just one season where you did the tree trimming and the hangboarding? Yeah, yeah. Were you doing any other training at the time? Soloing a bunch. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just to get volume and mileage? Yeah, it's just something I enjoyed so much. Okay. I think in climbing now, there's such a hard push for training, 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 training. Hmm. But uh, I think people just need to climb more. Okay. And for me, soloing, I just enjoyed it so much that I would just, even after a day of guiding, I would just solo 20 pitches, ballpark or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it helped a lot. Is that a trend that you've seen with a lot of your peers and other climbers that, that climb at high levels? They all just climb a lot? Some do and some don't. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. But for me, it's it'd be like going for a jog for me. I'd, I would go and climb mm. ballpark, you know, 20 pitches up to 5.11 plus or something. Mm. And uh, I just really enjoyed it. And, and this is like around Squamish in the off season? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or, or, or in the dead of summer too. Okay. And um, I just love doing it and I think it helped. Cool. And then guiding as well. Okay. Because it's, it's basically just about moving on rock. I didn't realize that you were a guide. How long have you been doing that? Uh, since I was like 19 or something. Okay. Rock guiding in Squamish. Yeah. It's always been a great job and a, and nice. a, gr- and a good summer job. Nice. You like it? Uh, I like it if I have a fun client. Right. I imagine that makes yeah, a Yeah. It, it all kind of depends on the, on the client. Yeah. And what they want to do. Yeah. Or just somebody fun to hang out with. Uh-huh. That's cool. Yeah. That's got to be interesting. I mean, you've become a much more high profile climber over the last maybe 10, 15 years or so. Have you felt that shift at all as a guide? Uh, Yeah, for sure. I mean, is that dynamic ever weird or is it just, it's fine? Yeah, yeah. It definitely can be strange for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird to get recognized for something you did five years ago or, huh. you know, it's so back to the Tom Egan route, that just reminded me. So there's this amazing film that came out of that, Boys and the Bugs. Mm-hmm. And that was in one of the real rock tours. And I mean, I'm of course, I'm bringing it up. And when when did you guys do that? It was like 2016 or something? Uh, 15. 15, okay. And, I mean, you know, of course, the movie takes time to make. So it was probably a year or two after you'd done it before the movie even came out. And now people are still seeing it and probably recognizing you from that now. So, yeah, I, I imagine that's odd. Like that thing's probably feels pretty far in the past at this point and that's probably the thing that most people latch on to yeah that's a good way to put it (laughs) so um that's interesting is there anything that you've been up to more recently than that that you want more people to know about or that you've been more excited about yeah i've just been shifting away a bit from the uh hardcore projecting okay and getting more into the alpine side of things and 
Uh, this link up I, I did with Leo a couple of years ago was a culmination of heart free climbing, endurance, all night climbing kind of thing. Yeah. So for listeners, you and Leo Holding did this big link up up in the Bugaboos where you climbed all the housers. All yeah, the all the west faces of the housers. Okay. So what what is the what did that look like? Like what's the I breakdown? mean on, on paper it's not that hard. It's like up to five twelve plus, but it was uh-huh. like a it was a huge endeavor for That's me. Ma- was it all in one push? Yeah, we just did. We were, I mean the the game was to do it in under twenty four hours, and we okay. just we just did it. Nice. Yeah. How many vertical feet of climbing, or how many pitches? Close to eighty, maybe ballpark. Damn, that's a big day. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, what sparked that idea? I mean, Leo was a huge inspiration to me mm. when I was younger, mm-hmm. and he um, did the first free ascent of uh, the Prophet on El Cap. Okay, and um, yeah, he was just a huge inspiration of uh, trying to free climb these walls that previously had just been aid climbed. Mm. So we were kind of riffing off his inspiration, along with a lot of other folks, Tommy Caldwell and Peter Croft and Yuji Hiryama, you know, a, a bunch of different people. Mm-hmm. But um, my friends, Jason Crock and Matt Siegel, we freed the Central Hauser Tower in 2007, 2008 or something. And I just thought, oh, it'd be so amazing to like link up all these hmm. towers back to back in a day. How many different routes was it? Three. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, s- spawned a lot from uh, like Dean Potter and Sean Leary, what they had done in Yosemite. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it was just one of these things that was germinating in the back of my head for years and years, and mm-hmm. and it was uh, a real treat to do with Leo, who was one of my original climbing heroes and still a great friend. And That's super awesome. Mm-hmm. Was the actual day enjoyable at all, or was it just a suffer fest? A bit of both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was one of those days that um, we kind of like riffed off each other's psych. Like, okay. when one of us was feeling totally messed up, yeah, the other guy would be like, yeah, pull it together and like vice versa. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it was kind of one of those just really cool days that in one of these, one of the most beautiful landscapes mm. that I cherish so, so much. And yeah, I felt super privileged to, to be able to do that. Cool. Do you know if anyone had tried it before that? I don't think it had even been really considered. Okay. What about since? Has anyone tried to repeat it that you know of? No. Okay. It's interesting to hear you talk about that. It's it's pretty cool, actually, because in that podcast episode that I just listened to, you had been talking about how one of your goals for the future was the triple link-up that Tommy and Alex did in Yosemite. Mm Mm-hmm. And when you were talking about the triple link up, you were talking about how one of the biggest challenges with that was finding the right partner Mm -hmm. because of all the simul climbing you have to do to be fast enough to to do Mm -hmm. it in a day. And I think at one point you said, and this is a a quote or I'm paraphrasing, but you said it's about twice as intense as soloing. What did you mean by that? Well, I I guess what I meant by that is if you fall, you're not just going to kill yourself rip your buddy off the wall too yeah potentially uh-huh so and, Le- and leo is just one of these guys who's like bulletproof just hmm. really honest about himself okay. what he can do yeah. and what he and what he can't do given his fitness level at the time mm-hmm. and so we were just very honest with each other about if we felt that something was too dangerous we would just vocalize it because hmm. i think it's really easy in those situations to get kind of cocky and be like we got it we got it we got it Mm -hmm. and um so 
it was still rock climbing with Leo because he he had done the um, uh, the free rider and half dome with Stanley. Oh, okay. I'm thinking 2006 or something, and they base jumped off both of them. Gotcha. That's a cool link up. Yeah. Free. That's badass. Yeah. That's, that's, that's as badass cool. as it gets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what did that look like on your guys' link up? How much simul climbing were you actually doing? A hell of a lot. Yeah. But then we pitched it out whenever we felt like we needed to. Okay. And you said the route that you did with... Remind me, um, you, you did the free ascent that was 12 plus. Yeah, of the, the central hauser yeah. with Matt Siegel and uh, Jason Crook. Right. So that one had some 12 plus on it. Mm-hmm. How much hard climbing was there on this link up? Like how many, like five, 12 pitches? Not a hell of a lot, okay. but they're just giant features. So oh, yeah. there's. No, it's still like a massive day. Yeah, and the descents are kind of intricate. And Are you rappelling down or? We had fixed the central hauser, but the, the, uh, the north hauser, we were rappelling. Mm hmm. It's a funny project. In a lot of ways, I think of it as a project of like a, a, a precursor for bigger things to come. Okay. Yeah, because it's like a, it's a bit of a funky goal. Uh huh. You know, you're. Is it, is it a precursor for something bigger in that same style? Like how? how no, hard can just you go just to, hours. Or? Yeah, just like it's kind of a party trick. Okay. You know what I mean? It's yeah. You know, it's like it's same with Alex and Tommy's link it's a up. Contrived the, or it's, arbitrary? Yeah, yeah, con- contrived. Okay, that, that's, that's the word. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't really need to do that, right? So, what is it that you're training for then? Is it like the mental side of it to know that you how deep you can go when you're really up against a hard free climb on El Cap or something? Or yeah, or or in the mountains. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. I, I have, like, absolutely no experience with mountain climbing. But, yeah. Um, you know, I'm used to rock climbing where if you're not going to make it, you just go to the ground. It's no big deal. But I imagine the stuff that you're kind of more interested in getting into is more committing. And there's times where you just have to put your head down and and get to the top or get to wherever. Yeah. The, the, the safe point to lower yeah, off yeah, of. Yeah. The word is contrived. Okay. <laughs> and it's kind, of, it's kind of sad to think about it that way, but... <laughs> It's fully contrived. I mean, climbing's just a big game that we're all. Yeah, playing, yeah, totally. Right? Climbing's <laughs> contrived to begin with. And we're like making up games within the game, and yeah, it's just kind of how it goes. Yeah, no, totally. Do you have a new project in the bugs? I mean, there's there's tons to be done. Okay, but um, I've spent a lot of time there. Yeah, I'd be more psyched to spend some time in Alaska and okay. else, elsewhere. And what kind of stuff? Mostly rock climbing. I know you've been kind of focusing more on ice climbing too the last few years. Yeah. Just kind of roots that demand all the disciplines. Mm. Is that where you see your climbing going, or is that just like nice variety in addition to rock climbing? Yeah, I mean, if if you want to climb the biggest, coolest features in the world, you got to be able to wield all the swords. Okay. So, what are the biggest, coolest features in the world in your mind? I'd love to go to Yuli Biaho. Where's that? Kind of in the Trango Group in Pakistan. Okay. I'd love to climb in the Trangos and Great Trango Tower. Just trying to be more well-rounded, I guess. Have you climbed much on snow? A fair bit, but like a fraction okay. to what I've climbed on on rock. Yeah. With big stuff like that, are you are you kind of interested in seeking out lines with the most rock climbing possible? Or is it just whatever the prettiest mountain is, like how, how whatever you have to do to get to the top of mm-hmm. it? Yeah, the ladder. The ladder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. Well, cool, man. Yeah. I don't even know. Like, how does one go about building the... Or gathering the swords, as you say, to be able to be more comfortable on in shitty snow and that sort of stuff. Yeah, he's kind of got to do it all as much it. as he can. Uh huh. But staying safe. Uh huh. 
seems like the crux of it. <laughs> Snow's scary to me. Oh, me too, man. I'm no Colin Haley. Hmm. Shit freaks me out. <laughs> but you still want to do it? Yeah, to a degree. I mean, I don't think I'll ever be like a big high-altitude mountaineer. But... Okay. So I'll reference back to that podcast I listened to one more time. And again, I'll link to that in the show notes for people to listen to. But you were talking about head pointing versus soloing and kind of how you think about risk in both of, in both of those settings. So with soloing, you mentioned it's more of a feeling of waiting to feel relaxed enough to do it. I think you're saying that if you ever feel like you have to get psyched and like rally to solo something, you just back off. It's better to just back off, try it another day if it feels right. Whereas with head pointing, it gets a little bit more gray. So how do you think about that? How do you think about deciding whether to push through fear versus when to listen to fear and back off of something? That's a really good question. I, I just think it comes down to it. It's a personal thing. Mm-hmm. For me, soloing, it was like the most relaxing thing hmm. I ever did. Mm-hmm. I still do. But um, yeah, I think head pointing is just, yeah, it's a much more gray area. Because you have a rope and you have gear. You have but gear, it, but, it but may it's... Or might, may or may not keep you safe. Yeah. You should interview my buddy, Matt Siegel. Cause <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, he's kind of like the <clears> ultimate <throat> head pointer. I think he's got a, a much better grasp on it. Okay. I've never been like that good of a head pointer. Okay. They're very different dis- disciplines with different mindsets associated with them. Mm-hmm. I don't do you, know if that answers the question. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm just curious. I mean, it, it makes sense that it's hard to articulate or that you don't necessarily have like a... Yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a visceral thing. Yeah, and each one's each setting, each day, each route is probably just kind of its own unique thing, right? Yeah, it's how you feel on any given day. And with soloing, I backed off things that I've done hundreds of times hmm. just because I'm not feeling it on a certain given day. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not like a like a super linear black and white thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's just like, kind of like a, <laughs> you really have to listen to yourself. Check the ego and be honest with yourself. Totally. Check the ego is the biggest thing. Hmm. Yeah. Just because you soloed a 512 one day, you know, you might back off a 5.8 the next day. Hmm. I've heard you say that. And this will probably sound really ironic to listeners, but I've heard you say that it's really important to you to keep your solos feeling safe. I mean, does that just mean that you try to only solo things where you know you can down climb or back off if you need to? How do you Generally think speaking, I mean, that's a bit hypocritical because I've definitely soloed things that I, that I could not down climb. Okay. But like 95% of the time, okay, I can back off whenever I want. I'm curious, have you ever gotten... I don't know, a body length from the top of a climb or like 95% of the way up a climb and backed all the way off and down climbed the whole thing? Like yeah, a lot. Really? Like I was in the Owens River Gorge the other day Uh huh. and I've never sold it in the, in the gorge ever. Do you have to down climb everything? Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like on some 10C, I've climbed probably a dozen times uh-huh. and I just wasn't feeling it and yeah, just down climbed. I read Alex Honnold's book, Alone on the Wall, some mm-hmm. years ago, and there's a big uh-huh. section of it devoted to his soloing in Owens, like his early days soloing in Owens. Yeah. And yeah, you just have to go up and down every single thing because there's no way to lower off those things if mm-hmm. you're by yourself and you can't hike off the top. You know, I was curious then, and I'm curious hearing you talk about it now, do you think down climbing helps your climbing at all? I think it's the lost art. Really? Yeah. And Tell um, me more. 
Yeah, I just I got way used to it. Like in in the smoke bluffs in Squamish, I would go up and down these five elevens again and again and again. Hmm. And um, yeah, I kind of grew to love it. Yeah, it's really different. It's I, super different. I find it super challenging, even like getting off of some of these big boulders in the buttermilk. Sometimes. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Do you think it helps your climbing? Like, if you're, you know, if for me, like my focus is trying to climb harder and more technical things. Mm-hmm. Do you think the down climbing helps with your up climbing technique in any way? Uh, perhaps. Okay. But it's yeah. I mean, it's just like a, it's like an alpinist thing, and it's a, mm. it's a soloing thing, and it's just yeah. I think John Backer was kind of like the pioneer of that. And Croft did a lot of a shitload of downsoling too. Huh. Yeah, whether or not it helps with the up, I don't I don't I don't know. But for me it was like a real like I mean that's your escape. Mm-hmm. And you have to get used to it. Gotcha. That's why I call it kinda of like the lost art, because mm-hmm. nobody really does it. So when I was uh doing my prep for this, I came across a video, and it's pretty recent. It was just March 2019, and I'll link to this one in the show notes too, but it's called Free Soloing in Froggit. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, mm-hmm. but um, it looks like it's a crag in the UK. Mm-hmm. And that was a trip that you did with Hazel Finley. Yeah. Um, tell me about that trip. Yeah, so Hazel and I uh, went out about well, 10 years ago now, but uh, old girlfriend. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it's great climbing over there. I mean, it's the film. I thought it was pretty recent. It was that footage way older. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh, it's, really? It's like a decade ago. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, when did he? He just like shot over to the UK and did this trip with Hazel recently. No, no, no. That was like a straight decade ago. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Maybe or, or like a decade plus. Okay, I'll have to look at that. I wonder mm-hmm. if uh, if I got it wrong. I, I could have sworn it said March 2019, but yeah, I, I think that, that I mean he's trying to release it, whatever now. But that's really interesting. Okay. Just erased that whole part of the interview. <clears throat> yeah, it's okay. It was a fun trip. But then I later broke my foot there a couple of years Yeah. After. Was that a head pointing thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, how did that happen? Ah, just getting cocky. Those damn grit roots. Yeah. Would you mind talking about what you were trying? Yeah, this route called Parthian Shot. Okay. Super pretty, beautiful, prow. Uh-huh. I think that Burbage is okay. the name of the cliff. A lot of my friends had taken a whip onto this flake, and when I whipped onto the flake, the flake blew and uh. <laughs> I obliterated my tailless bone. Oh, damn. That's brutal. What does that route go at? Probably like ballpark, like mid 513. Okay. But dangerous. dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a really interesting scene over there. Mm-hmm. Do you have any interest in going back over and doing another trip at any point? Or are you kind of scratching uh, that off the not list? Not necessarily. Yeah, not at the top I, of the I, list. I did for a while. I went and repeated my buddy Tim Emmett's route, uh, Muy Caliente, which is kind oh, of sick. similarly dangerous. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my like tip of the hat to that era of my life. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good for you. Yeah. That must have been freaky. It was. Extra freaky. It was super freaky. Was that one similarly dangerous, you think? Or similarly risky? Yeah, ballpark. I feel like I need to take like a one-on-one course in the grading system over there. The E-grades and like the range of technical difficulty that a specific E-grade can have. It's mm-hmm. pretty fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah. It is. Uh, it's, a, it's a strange, strange science. What were those routes? Like E8 or something? E9? Both of them were like E9, E10. Okay. So what is the potential Yosemite difficulty range that could still be like an E9? 
what's the easiest and what's the hardest that could fall in there? Yeah, I'm sure I'll get some bad feedback from some Brits. I'll t- I'll try to confirm on the internet with like a great yeah, it's chart. like I don't know. I think E9 could potentially be like, or even E8 to be like 12 plus 13 minus, but you you're gonna kill yourself. Yeah. So basically, like, the easier it is, the more risky it is to achieve the same grade. Yeah, then, it's a bizarre science. And then, like, how hard might it be if it's more on the safe mm-hmm. side? I'll put you in touch with a, with a Brit style. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I'll just go with that. Uh, who is that? Who uh, Hazel, maybe. Oh, okay. Maybe. Uh, she might be here next spring or something. Okay, right on. She'd be psyched to talk to you. Oh, that'd be amazing. I've been uh, enjoying her podcast as well. She just started a podcast with Mina. Did she? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, curious, the Curious Climber podcast. Cool. I've, I've been enjoying it, and I, I highly recommend it to people. I'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah. So I'd be curious to ask, with the big link-up that you guys did, that you did with Leo Holding in the Bugs, mm-hmm. is there anything that you learned from that that you wish you'd known going into it? Not necessarily. I just I just learned a lot from Leo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Does anything specific come to mind? He's just got this like stalwart, like just British, just toughness to him. Okay. Yeah, and he's just like, and he's very honest. Huh. And I think that was the biggest thing. It was just the honesty. Like, I'm feeling tired. Put in a piece. Throw a micro traction on. You feel like he had nothing to prove. Yeah, he's got nothing to prove. Yeah. He's an absolute legend. Yeah. I mean, I imagine that's key to be able to be honest and to be totally safe. That's also got to be odd, though. Like, if, you know, he's your hero and he's probably aware that he's probably aware of that as well. That's neat that he's able to just kind of like stick to his guns and, like, yeah, this is how I'm feeling, whatever. Yeah, totally. That's what it is. Yeah, it's like whatever. You finish the link up in 25 hours versus 23, it doesn't fucking matter. (laughs) Yeah. As long as everybody comes back home safe. And that's such a funny thing. Would you have been bummed if it had been over the 24 hour mark? For a minute. It's so funny. It's so arbitrary. It's so, so, so arbitrary. Uh-huh. So stupid. <laughs> but it, the, at least the way it gets like presented in the media, it's, yeah, it's like, like, oh, they didn't quite do it. You know, they didn't quite pull it off yeah, or, or uh, they did it or yeah, it's yeah. like 15 minutes difference over a day. Yeah. I care less and less. Okay. <laughs> right on. Well, let's go back to the, uh, the Tom Egan route. Is there anything that you wish you'd known at the beginning of that 150 day siege? If you could go back and give yourself advice. I don't know. I, I feel like advice is kind of a funny word. You know what I mean? Like, Why is that? Well, I just think you, the learning is the most important part. Mm. You know, you, you can't skip learning. Mm. I just think you need to battle through these things. I don't think there's any shortcuts to learning. You just need to, to deal with it. And... Gotcha. Do you think you and Matt were always on the same page with that one? Did that ever get challenging? I mean, I, I think we were really great for each other. We shot ideas back and forth, and I think he was better at some things than I was, and I was better at some things than he was. Mm-hmm. It's nothing you, you can like learn a, on a podcast or learn on paper. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, I think some people can. Okay. I think some people can. They can just be like, okay, do this, do that, mm-hmm. and we're going to do better next time. Are you the type of person that has to kind of try things and feel things out? Yeah, it's like learning how to big wall climb for uh-huh. me was like, I just had to like, oh, I fucked that up. <laughs> you know, like didn't haul right and the fucking bag got stuck on the knot and <laughs> botched it. And, but other people can learn it in a book. Yeah, that's interesting. Earlier when I was talking or when I was asking you about your finger and your rehab, you were saying that it's really important to have big goals. Mm. Are you willing to talk about some of your upcoming climbing goals? 
five years ago i would have been okay that's interesting yeah what's changed ah just people jump on goals you know like they're loath to come up with their own goals so they just hop on other people oh interesting Okay. I was kind of like, expecting more of like an aversion to like the pre-spray or something, but have well, you had that, that too? Have you had that happen though, where someone's like poached a goal that you have? For sure. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And it's like, whatever. I mean, I don't have any grudges anymore, but mm-hmm. keep it close to my chest. Right on. I don't mean to sound too down on it, uh-huh. like, but. But you'd rather keep it to yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> That's totally fair. Um, I'm curious. So we're out here in Bishop, and this is kind of like the land of bouldering. Uh, Obviously, there's great climbing of every style here. But um, do you do any bouldering? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Do you have any goals with that? Or like, do you project stuff or anything like that? Uh, I I did a bunch in the past. Okay. But um, I'm just kind of trying to go easy on the finger. Yeah, for sure. Is that something you use as a training tool, though, when you're feeling, when you're healthy and preparing for some of these bigger objectives? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, totally. Outdoor bouldering. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or indoor bouldering or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> With outdoor stuff, do you have circuits? Do you try to like mix in a lot of new things, project stuff? Yeah, bit of everything. Bit of everything. But yeah, but at the moment, I'm just kind of just laying low and yeah, not trying to re-injure myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right on. Yeah. So I was, I just stumbled onto a video that Arteryx had put out featuring you and it was like a trad climbing tips video. And I think you just shared three tips on Mm -hmm. three kind of general trips on trad climbing. Um, The one that caught my interest though was the second one you were talking about racking up and you kind of mentioned there's all these different ways to do it, but that the most important thing is consistency. I found that interesting. Can you speak to that at all? Uh, Yeah. Um, yeah, just do what you've done before. Just pick a system and stick with it? Yeah. I mean, I think it's the same with training. Okay. You know, people will, like, mix it up, like, oh, I'm going to do this thing this week and then this thing next week, and it's just, like, get on a program and, and do it. Huh. And, um, with the racking thing, it just has to become intuitive. Hmm. I mean, you've done a lot of hard crack climbing, and you've also climbed with a lot of people that climb really hard cracks. Do you think there are objectively better ways to go about that like do you have any tips or, or tactics that help with hard crack climbing yeah like, just you know? a, a smallest cams at the front okay beaners out okay do you mean gates facing out yeah sorry okay yeah yeah it, it gates out uh-huh when the gates face in i find they can sometimes unclip themselves in chimneys hmm. do you rack up on your gear loops yeah okay and how do you think about, like, left and right side? Yeah, so I have, like, a blue mentolius on one side. Okay. Blue mentolius on the other. Okay. Yellow. So you just go small to larger, front to back. Yeah. On both sides. Got you. Any other tips or things that have helped you out with hard crack climbing? Tactical stuff. It could be gear stuff. It could be skin maintenance stuff. It could be tactics for how you break down a hard route. Polyosporin. Say or, it again? A polyosporin or neosporin. Okay. From when you slice yourself. Yeah, for gobies and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was kind of like critical for when I climbed the Cobra Crack. Okay. Now how do you do that? You put it on, do you like wrap it with anything after? Yeah, I'm sure some doctor could tell you how to do it differently, but I would just like, as soon as I slice myself, I would just like douse it with Neosporin. Mm-hmm. And then um, gentle band-aid. For me, that worked quite well. Mm-hmm. Nice. Is there anything that you see a lot of other climbers doing wrong? Or is there anything that you see that's holding people back if they're trying to progress and get better? I think I talked about it a little bit before, but um, more climbing, less training. Right on. 
I'm at the top of the list of people that probably need to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not to say training isn't valuable. No, I, I really hear what you're saying, though. It can be kind of a trap, and it certainly is for me. Like, the way that I think, I'm, much, I'm very much a systems thinker, and I want to quantify everything. And part of the reason I'm doing this is because I've been geeking out on training for years, mm -hmm. and, and I'm, I can be a robot and be really systematic. It just hasn't worked that well. And I just keep seeing time and time again, like all my friends that climb the hardest outside, they're not thinking about it that hard. They're just climbing a lot and they're trying hard. And um, that's one of the big reasons I'm doing this. I'm like, oh, I want to kind of find out what people are actually doing. So that's pretty cool to hear. Yeah, I mean, and not to say that it's not important because it certainly is. Mm -hmm. And it, for me, it helped me climb the hardest route I've ever climbed in my life. Yeah. But I think generally on the whole, it's like people just train their lives away and it's like just go climb some five sevens hmm. climb some five nines climb some five tens mm -hmm. it's gonna help you hmm. how do you think i mean obviously you're um like you said things are kind of like a mellow slow pace right now but how do you think about balancing climbing with training now do you think you'll go back to the fingerboard oh for sure you're gonna go back to tree trimming <laughs> yeah i mean perhaps <laughs> i'll have to but and I think it's not easy for everybody to get out there as much. Mm -hmm. You know, not everybody lives in Bend or Bishop or Squamish. Mm -hmm. So I recognize how difficult it is for people to get out there and, and actually climb mm -hmm. on real rock. But if you can, I think that's that's huge. Okay. What does your fingerboarding look like these days? Uh, I'm just beginning into this repeaters thing. Okay. Um, do you do, like, blocks of it? I do it, like, three times a week, basically, if, okay. if I can. Okay. But then if it's hurting, I'll stop. Okay. Are you doing that while you're climbing outside a lot, too, as well? Mm-hmm. And how much are you doing? Like, can you tell me how many, like, grips, how many sets, reps, that sort of stuff? Whatever. The, what is it, like? The Anderson Brothers, like, rock, climb, rock climbing training manual? Yeah, I got it off uh, Andrew Bishrat's website. Okay. Cool, I'll find that and uh, I'll link to that in the show notes. Yeah. I'll shoot it to you to vet it, make sure I found the right one. <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty simple. Okay. But just, I just think like not overdoing it is huge. Mm. I think people can really give her too hard. Do you select different grips depending on what kind of stuff you're climbing on at the time? Mm, I mostly just do crimps and stuff. I, okay. I don't do a hell of a lot of pocket climbing. And yeah, I just kind of. Cool. Is there anything else that you're doing for training? A lot of push-ups. Okay. I, I think, like, that's the big thing with training was people people just go way too hard on the fingers and the arms. As far as, like, all the pulling. Yeah. Work the opposition muscles. Have you tried other stuff, or has push-ups just always been the, the go-to? Yeah, with the ball sometimes. What do you mean? Well, like, the inflatable. Like, you're, doing, you're in a push-up position with your hands on the mm -hmm. inflatable ball just for, like, more stability challenge or something, or? Exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right on. Then my lady friend, she's, she's way into like the, uh, the yoga stuff. So we've been doing that a bunch too. Okay. Do you think that's helped at all? Uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I do. In what ways? Yeah. Just a little bit of more like core stability. Okay. But, uh, I'm no expert. <laughs> well, you're doing pretty well. You've climbed some pretty amazing stuff. That's cool. Yeah. It mostly comes from climbing though. I mean, I love that, man. Like I'm, I'm the person I was like searching for the silver bullet for so long. Mm-hmm. 
And there's no silver bullet. Yeah, there's no sil- silver bullet. But like the great news talking to you is like, oh, I just get to go climb a lot and I'll get, I'll keep getting better. Like, that's awesome. If that's, you know, if it's as simple as that, like I've, I can kind of trick myself into thinking I need to go into like my training dungeon and like earn it, you know, by suffering. It's like, maybe I just need to go enjoy climbing. And maybe a lot of us just need to like listen to ourselves a little bit more and be motivated and go have fun. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, perhaps a... You said you're 34 now? Three. 33. Yeah. Coming up, though. Right on. Mm. Is there any advice that you'd have for yourself? Or or actually, we already talked about advice. Let's scratch that. Is there anything that you wish you'd known when you were 20? It, it goes more back to, like, hardcore track climbing. But okay. Trust your own instincts. Hmm. Never go by what other people have done. Hmm. Like, that's how I kind of, I hurt my foot a bunch of years ago. Oh, interesting. Did you kind of, did some part of your brain kind of know that that flake wasn't going to work out? Or Exactly. Was, I was like. Wow. Yeah, I was like, this is a fucking bad idea. Huh. And all my friends had taken this whip on this flake and they were fine. Yeah. Yeah, just trust your own instincts. Hmm. Right on. Let's go to age 30. Anything you wish you'd known at 30? Always really clean your climbing shoes. Okay. <laughs> like squeegee clean. Yeah. Like every day you go climbing? Yeah. Like Really? Like just be totally OCD about it. What made you realize that? Well, when I whipped off some greasy 510 hand crack and uh-huh. snapped my finger and I was out for six months. Yeah, it was because your shoes had some, like, sc- scuzz on them or something? Yeah, well, yeah, I just, just be OCD about that. Okay. How do you clean them? Do you just use, like, yeah, warm water and shine them? Spit shine them. Okay. Yeah, w- wait till they're dry. Okay. So earlier we were talking about you being trapped up in the bugs with terrible weather and you were reading a lot. So mm-hmm. what do you like to read? What are you reading right now? Honestly, I've been on a bit of a huge, like, Anthony Bourdain kick, just reading all his books and serial watching all his shows. Okay. I'm, like, totally unfamiliar with... He he was a he was a chef in New York for oh, right. okay. a bunch of years, and then, um, and then he had a series of TV shows. Okay. Has and, it gotten you into cooking at all? Oh, uh, yeah. My lady's, like, she's, like, the most stellar cook on the planet. Oh, right so. on. Yeah, and then, but just, uh, just his worldview and... He sadly took his own life a couple of years ago, but what's so intriguing about it for you? Um, just his remarkable worldview. Like he's just so well read, and huh. or he was so so well read, and um, interesting character. And um, beyond that, like Haruki Murakami, I love, and Hemingway, and you know a bunch of the old classics. But any insights from the book you read recently that that stands out? Or a most impactful book that you've read recently? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, maybe I'll send it to you in a quote. It's a quote by Bourdain. He's talking about travel and how travel is incredibly empowering and insightful, but also just hard on the soul. Interesting. I'll send you the quote. I'm so intrigued by that. Does he get into why? I mean, the guy just traveled relentlessly for uh-huh. like for years and years and years, and I gotcha. think he was just like you could just see it in his face. The guy was just haggard. But huh. you travel a lot. Do you find that hard? Is it hard to balance that with community and and feeling grounded and that sort of stuff? A little bit, and just it's just hard to see poverty. Hmm. Anyway, this Bourdain quote. He was a hell of a lot more insightful than I am for sure. <laughs> 
What is something that you're grateful for right now? To be alive. It's been a, it's been definitely been a hard handful of months and mm. or years. You mentioned that a couple times now that it's been a, a pretty rough past few years with injuries. I know about this finger, and that's been the last six months. But what else has been going on before that? Oh, they're just buddies, you know, getting getting killed. Yeah. But um, it's the nature of the game. Hmm. What is something that you're excited about right now? Yeah, just getting my getting my finger healthy, and um, I've got a cool project. I've got a bunch of cool projects all over the place, and yeah, just being out in these mountains here, like there's so many cool walls unexplored. And Are you gonna hang around here for a while and be able to try some stuff? Yeah, I hope so. Sick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How long do you think you'll be here for? Uh, until uh, the border people kick me out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe cut that part of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> um, where can people find you? Uh, I just will stand hope at Instagram. Okay. Is that the main one? Instagram. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Then I've got a website too. Right on. And I do, I do a bunch of guiding as well. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Well, well, this has been super fun. Uh, I appreciate you sitting down and taking the time. Yeah, yeah. And it makes me a little bit sad inside that you're not totally proud of that Freedom of the Wheels video because I definitely loved it. Well, nice. I'm <laughs> glad you got a kick out of it. I sure did. I'll be looking out for the sequel next time Matt gives you a call. Yeah. Where are we going to go next? <laughs> Alaska. Alaska on the 50cc scooter. Yeah, we'll surely perish. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. Any final thoughts? No. Perfect. <laughs> Have a good trip. All right. Thank you. Let's get out of here. Okay. Cheers. Stop on the clock. It's 13. You know